this is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back, everyone. This is Vernon Terrell, and today, brought back by popular demand, is Kyle Jenkins. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Hey, Vernon. That's awesome. Uh, I was going to play a little dramatic. Oh, no. (laughs) Here it comes, everyone. We're going to bring in Kyle Jenkins. And okay, that's enough of that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, Kyle and I were talking uh, and... uh, we were talking about this idea and we see it a lot. And I think we see it in the churches a lot. I know um, Mike Quarles, when he and I would do the freedom from addiction webinars and a lot of people enjoyed those over the 15 years that we did those. Um, And uh, I saw Mike the other day, by the way, and uh, he's doing great. Uh, 86 years old, I think now, but um He's doing great. He and Julia. But uh, I know Mike uh, talked about this idea uh, as well in a little different context. But this, the idea is, and I think we're going to, we might title the podcast this. It's around pretty flesh. And it's what many churches today, I think, um, seem to focus on on this idea of maybe this um, self um, focus on on me being just a better person and doing better and maybe getting God to like me a little bit more. Uh, let's just talk just a bit around the context of this idea. what's what are some of your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, it's like oh, God must not be delighted in me already. I need to do something, you know, to change his mind, maybe. Really? Because his mind, you know, perhaps, and, and what some churches teach. And it's funny because I see there is a movement. I think there is a grace movement out there. And I think this mindset is um, is starting maybe to go away. Uh, a little bit, but there's many churches who would teach that God is kind of mad at you uh, a little bit because what well, you keep screwing up, and that's just uh, kind of ticks him off or something. Uh, have you seen that in oh, churches? And yeah, yeah, really, yeah, and it's like you. I've been seeing it. Yeah, you know, I'll hear messages that are you know, outside of so-called the grace communities that we're a part of. And, you know, you're here, you know, I'm starting to hear more of the, you know, God's not mad at you and hearing the grace starting to come out. But still, you'll see it still tainted, uh, you know, still kind of weaved in a little bit of this, you know, it's up to us, you know, this Mm. up to us message of, you know, yeah, God loves you. And so to keep in good graces with him, you know, we need to do this or it's still the, the, the focus is on our performance and not the radical love of God. 
it's yeah. you know it's crazy i was uh michelle and i michelle my wife and i have been uh we watched this documentary called shiny happy people i don't know if you've seen that or <laughs> did you have you seen it or i have it sounds okay. interesting Will. It, it, <laughs> it's it's really about something that i personally lived um, it is a documentary on back when the Duggar family was a big show of, you know, the 19 kids and all of that on uh, TLC, I think it was the station. And, uh, but the real message behind that documentary was on a movement back then that was called the Basic Life Institute, really run by Bill Gothard. And I was just a new believer. I didn't come from a Christian family. And uh, I was a new believer, the only one in my family. And this, and the church I was at um, encouraged at the time uh, to, wow, Bill Gothard, you've got to go and hear Bill Gothard at what then was the Omni Big Coliseum, uh, you know, basketball stadium, thousands of people, and we're all mm-hmm. in there. And Worship singing was incredible. And then this very unassuming person gets up and starts talking about all these principles of life. And some of them are really so damaging and Mm -hmm. anti-grace. They sound good, tons of scripture, but I I still think in our culture, because that impacted so many people, so many churches that we're still unraveling. And I think you said it there. We're starting to see the message of grace, but there's still some of these underlying beliefs that we haven't quite let go of that uh, tend to um, tend to push us toward developing pretty flesh. Mm. And uh, so uh, that's why I just thought, uh, yeah, this this is a very uh, interesting <laughs> topic. How did that work out in your life, this idea of just working on this good-looking flesh? Uh, you know, the churches that I attended growing up uh, got saved at 15. You know, I gave my testimony. It's on the other podcast. Um, uh it was just all in performance, you know, and I, as you were mentioning, you know, I think of America 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, and it's like all the big, you know, kind of the baby boomer era and all this. And it's like, hey, wait, I'm, about- I'm at the tail end of that okay. baby boomer. Don't shade on the baby boomer. Boomers. But go ahead. Just be careful. Tread carefully. Um. So it was, it's like the, the focus was all, well, look what we've done. Look at how great America rose to, you know, the uh, financial success and everything. Um, and so it, it was like, uh, Mike talked about, it. I like how he put it. It's like, you know, but we're Americans or mm. hard chargers. If we don't have the hill, we take the hill. We take the initiative. Well, that might work for America, but that's not the Christian life. Wow. And that's what was, insti- you know, that my, I had a hard workforce type uh, parents, both, uh, you know, super performers in their careers and did a lot of great stuff, you know, helped a lot. Both my parents were nurses, helping people over the place. Nothing wrong with that. But the focus was, you know, it was not shown on Christ. 
mm. as my source for it. Um, you know, I think of, uh, how was it? Uh, you know, to, uh, what else was coming to mind? The Lord was bringing it. It's like me, King Nebuchadnezzar. Like pretty much the first guy that was like, well, look at everything that my hands have done. Look at the glory of my majesty before the li- words are even off of his lips. You know, the voice from heaven comes down, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, because of your pride and arrogance, you know, you're now going to be driven into the wilderness and you're, uh, mm. you're going to be dirt- digging around in the dirt like an animal now until you acknowledge and not saying that the, you know, a lot of the, you know, the baby boomers weren't acknowledging, but there was that over prevailing attitude of, you know, uh, you can do it. Yeah. You know, this self promotion and, and then, you know, you get a a kid like me growing up in a family like that. Um, it just drove me to madness and then they would take me to church. And so I'm supposed to be hearing about this grace of Jesus, this grace of God, but it's mixing in the self-effort, which is really just what the law leads us to do, which is the self-effort. Right. Um, and you, you see it all over. I mean, it's no surprise all over uh, television, ads. Um, hmm. uh, what's the Nike one? Um, just do uh, it. Just, just do it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Just do it. It's like, well, you know. That just, you know, for some people, though, that works to a point. Some folks have a personality that will lends itself toward the just do it mentality, and they cannot understand for the life of them why other people can't just do it. And that's just kind of how they're how they're wired. And uh, but that is not the grace message in any stretch or you or the new Burger King commercial you rule it's like <laughs> well no christ rules but okay mm-hmm. you know you rule the these little messages that we get in this idea that uh in that shiny happy people of of authority it's a big it was a big message around authority and and making sure you're under certain uh, umbrellas of protection mm-hmm. and if you're under the umbrella satan can't get at you. Nothing bad will happen to you because you're, that was just a lie, another lie. It just, it, it doesn't, uh, it's almost akin to the prosperity gospel that says if you just, you know, pray enough, do enough, put enough coins in the heavenly slot machine and you crank it enough times, you're going to get a bountiful amount of coinage, you know, in, in terms of blessings. It's like, that, yeah. that just doesn't work. Yeah. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody's, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was praying before we got on the phone call and just like, well, Lord, you know, for some verses and he started bringing some and then, and then the story of, um, of Mike Wells, he's in the mission field. He's in a different country, comes upon a head. It's just a head, half a torso, little feet sticking out and little hands and all it can do is sit there with you know colored pencils in its mouth and draw butterflies because that's all it can do and mike's so vexed about it his brother's with him he's holding the he's got the money he's like well give him some money give him some money they do that about five or ten times or whatever and then his brother's like well what is he gonna buy a hat he's like he's got enough money for ten hats he this guy doesn't worry about the things that you and i worry 
And Mike's just like, yeah, man, but I just feel so bad. This is like undoing me here. And he's like, but there's nothing we can do to help. Them. They get back to the hut where they're staying at. And it's not the, the bat droppings coming down on them. It's not the feces all on the floor that's keeping them awake. What's keeping Mike awake that night is this head. And he's asking his brother, you know, you think you're awake? Yeah. He's like, are you thinking about the head? Yeah. And finally, the, Mike goes to the Lord. He's like, Lord, why, why would you do that? Like, why did you do that? This is just so awful and horrible. Like, why would you do this? And of course, the Lord speaks to Mike and he's like, he's like, well, son, I'm not going to tell you why. It's like, that's none of your business on why I do that. But you want to know what it's in for you, don't you? And Mike's like, yes, Lord, what do you want me to know about this? And he's like, well, I don't ever want you teaching anybody anything ever again about intimacy with me that that head cannot do. Mm. And it's like, what can that head do? He can rest. He can trust. He can depend. He can learn how to moment by moment in this awesome, intimate relationship God invites us into. He can trust Christ. In, he, can, he can grow in who he is. Uh, in his understanding of who he is in Christ and that rest being the thing that will accelerate your Christian growth more than anything else. It's not service. It's not doing more. It's trusting. It's believing who God already says you are in Christ. You're complete and you lack nothing. I think that about, is so uh, hard for, especially mm-hmm. for Americans, but uh, in other countries as well, that is just a hard concept to wrap your brain around. I don't have to do anything to get God to like me anymore or to love me any better. Um, that's that's just not typically what we hear about in church. Mm. So you mentioned some verses. So tell me, yes. what are oh, some yeah. verses that kind of came to your brain you know, as we're talking about this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just on the tail end of what you were saying, it's like, you know, because the world system is set up performance-based acceptance. You know, who's the best, who's the brightest, who's the best looking, who makes the most, who does the most. And so and so that looks appealing. And yet God's word says, well, I'm going to use the foolish things of man, you know, the, the foolish things to confound the wise, to catch the wise in their crafted, craftiness. Um, you know, you'd think it... it all the men at King David's day, you know, King David walks out as shepherd boy. And it's like, well, who are you, you know, Goliath to take on the armies of, you know, to taunt us, the armies of the living God. And it's like, you have a bunch of grown men there. They couldn't do that. They were probably twice the size, three times the size of King David. They got their battle axes and swords. And it's like, and this kid with the slingshot has to come out and knock out the giant. Like what's going on here? You guys couldn't do that. But, but uh, King David believed well, he trusted well. He just simply right. took God at his word. Some of those verses that were coming to mind were, you know, the, because the the flesh is always saying, just tell me what to do. I like how Pete Briscoe used to put it, you know, just tell me what to do. I want to do, do, do. Then as others have put it, well, then you're just caught in do-do. <laughs> you're, just in this, you're just in this do and do this and do this, trying to prove my, my worth ultimately my right standing with God. And so we look at the law. We've got that law, the Ten Commandments, and yet Paul calls it in Second Corinthians 3, but the ministry of death, letters engraved on stone. That was the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, not a ministry of life. It was death. 
And then you mm. drop down to verse uh, nine, if the ministry of condemnation. So the ministry of condemnation and death is the law. And the law is this super performance of trying to be, you know, I'm a good person by what I do. Then we go over to. Uh, In fact, let's, let's camp on that for a second, yeah, because that yeah. is some uh, that second Corinthians is so uh, important. And because uh, Paul is saying, uh, as he's writing this second letter, you know, the first letter, it, it was rough. I mean, there, there was all kind of <laughs> rough stuff going on. It's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, there, it was just a mess. You think you, you think of Vegas on steroids <laughs> and you've got Corinth and and you got this church in the middle there and. Uh, back then, you know, you didn't have, you know, let me go look at Paul's profile online. So I know what he's, you know, who is this guy? Well, let me check him out on Facebook or on Instagram or <laughs> somewhere. They didn't have that. And he's like in that very first verse, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need a, some letters of commendation to you or from you? I mean, is that what we need? He said, you to that church are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all people, revealing yourselves that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, as Kyle was saying at the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of human hearts, because that's that, that's the issue. A lot of folks say, well, you know, why won't God intervene in society with all this bad stuff. And he did intervene. That's the point. Christ came. He showed us the Father. He was on mission to save and deliver the world. How? By paying for the sin of all mankind. And we are beneficiaries of that when we believe, when we receive him. And when we do, he takes, he goes to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is our sin nature. And he goes and crucifies that old self, crucifies, it dies, kills it, buries it, and we're raised up a brand new creation in Christ with a brand new heart. And God has given us a brand new, new heart. And yeah. that's in verse four, the confidence we have toward God through Christ. That's why he says, not that we are adequate in verse five in ourselves as to consider anything as have come from ourselves. Our adequacy is from God. And as a believer in Christ, we are adequate. Our adequacy is from God because in verse 6, he made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter kills. Kill. It kills, but the Spirit gives life. And that's where you're going with this idea that when we start trying to do all these external things, and it's not that you know, behavior 
you know, it's like, oh, you know, your behavior doesn't matter. Of course, your behavior matters. I mean, it impacts all kind of people. Behavior matters. What we don't want to get the cart before the horse, or as I say, you don't want to get the trailer before the truck. Okay, in our current vernacular, we might get that a little bit better. Um, we want to focus on the truck, which is the new creation. It's the engine. It's the engine that drives and pulls the behaviors that it's Christ who's working himself out of us, expressing his life because we're so wrapped up in him in our new creation. We can express that very fruit of the life of Christ. It comes through us, touching people, and he made us adequate. That's what it's all about. I love that verse. That was a great one uh, to really start with because as you're saying, if we focus on the letter of the law, that just kills. Mm. What's next? What, was, what else was? In the next one, it was going to jump to Galatians 3. And mm. so we're talking about this. So it's like, so I don't want to do the law. It's a ministry of condemnation and death. Mm. And then we go to Galatians 3. Three, and Paul talks about it. Really, verse two. This is the only thing I want to know, find out from you. You know, he's saying, "You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You sell Christ crucified, publicly portrayed as crucified." This is what I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing by faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now beginning trying to be uh, perfected by the flesh? So the only way you can follow the law today is through the flesh, Hmm. self-effort. That's the only way you can do it. And there's some people that just have that. That's their favorite flesh. You know, everybody's got flesh. And the flesh is just saying, you know, just tell me what to do. And let me do it. And then I can be, then I can be okay. But okayness is not done by our self-effort. Like Paul said, this is by this is by grace through faith. So and I, that the way in that word, as what you read, he said, you know, I, I love. Are you so foolish? It's like this is like a slap in the face, cold water on the head. <laughs> saying, "Wake up, people! You began by the Spirit. That's because you believed on Jesus and you received His Spirit. So you started." That's the only way we're all, we all get in the same way. It's, it's, we all any up in the game by faith in Jesus, okay? But we are often taught, and I was taught this too, that, all right, you're a believer. Now you got to get to work. What? Wait, what? Yeah, you're a believer. Now let me give you all of the disciplines that you need to do to be a good Christian. Nothing wrong with the disciplines. Nothing wrong with reading your Bible. Nothing wrong with going to church. But let me get you all these things that you need to do for what? To get more complete, to get perfect. You really want to be perfect. You want to to finish strong and you want to get, you know, you want to to improve on what Jesus started. Well, here's the newsflash. Jesus says that I will bring you to completion, whatever that is. In fact, he said that when you believed, he made you righteous. Mm. He didn't say, hey, 
I made you pretty good. Now, just do a couple more things and you'll get better and then you'll really be good. And No, he, did, he didn't. He said, look, I made you righteous. In fact, Hebrews said, you are perfect. Mm. And But we get this idea that we need to improve on what God has already done. Think about that. How can I improve on what Christ did? I can't. I mean, that's that's foolish. And that's what Paul is getting at. It's just so foolish. Man, you hit it, Vernon, right on the nail on the head there. Yeah. It's like the question would be like, well, Vernon, you know, so uh, how do I get complete in Christ? What must I do? It's like, how, how am I going to get complete, right? Because they all these church, you know, I hear these churches telling me, uh, you know, you need to do all this. But it's like, but Colossians 2.10 says I'm complete. How do I do that? Then? And, and you know, we hear, and if, if we keep reading, I love it. <laughs> he goes in verse four, did you suffer so many things in vain? I mean, he's like, really? I mean, you're following Jesus. Um, you trusted him. He made you righteous, and now you're suffering for it. I mean, why? I mean, why did you suffer for all that? Just trying to go back to the old way. I mean, that's just dumb. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law, or by the hearing with faith? Are we trusting Jesus and watching Him work? Or are we just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and just make make it so, make <laughs> it happen? And then he really throws a zinger at him in verse five, just as Abraham, like we're going way back here, Father <laughs> Abraham, just as Abraham believed God mm. and it was credited to him as righteousness. What? Yeah. See, the law wasn't designed for you to get more righteous. It's always been by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I love that. That was I, Paul. That was a zinger. That was a good one. Um, he he's really making the point in verse nine. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. I love that. We don't think of Abraham as the believer. And Abraham had all he he was he kind of, he had all kind of issues. Um, uh, he lied. He you know we think he was always just no. He he didn't times he just uh, try to do things on his own and he heard a promise of God and he says well it's not happening fast enough better take care of this well no uh, Abe you should have trusted Jesus and now we got we're all kind of living with those consequences but. Abraham believed God, and that was credited to him for righteousness. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have righteousness. And the cool thing, it's not just an accounting term. He has made you righteous because he took out the old. He, he killed it. He buried it. Nothing couldn't improve it. And he raised you up a brand new creation. You're not a retread. You're a brand new tire. Uh, <laughs> that's what it's all about. And yeah. it's not because of the law. These are good. Mm -hmm. 
Anything else come to your mind as we start to wrap up just a few of these thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Just to yeah, get a couple more here. One of those things, one of the things I was just wanted to bring out is showing how Paul's talking about the, this connection with flesh and the law. Because there in that verse, then that verse three, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now, growing up in churches, I, w- I was never taught this good looking flesh, this pretty looking flesh. I was only taught that flesh was, you know, that's drinking, smoking drugs, uh, you know, chasing women, gambling. That's all the, you know, that's bad flesh, you know, and you want to avoid that stuff. But nobody told me about performance-based acceptance with God. Nobody taught me about like, you know, drivenness or really, yeah, just this performance, this other side of the, you know, uh, of the tree of good and evil, which really ended up being a representation of what the law would be. God gave me this verse, re- uh, this one-liner recently. You know, the law says don't sin, but does it provide the power? Grace teaches us that in Jesus, we don't want to sin. We don't want any sin anymore. Like you and brought it here, up with new creation. And on that, what's the number one lie the enemy um, tells believers? He tries to get you to believe that you actually want to sin. That's part of the deception. That's the brilliant strategy, if I may say that, of the enemy is to get a believer to believe that he or she actually wants to sin. You don't really want that. But that's that's the that's just the little twist that the enemy says, Oh, you're feeling something, so you really want to sin. No, you don't. No, you don't. You really don't. That's why you feel so bad when you do. You don't want to sin. But if you believe you want it, well, that's just driving that behavior and that thinking toward a fulfillment of actually what you didn't want, but you you believed a lie. Man, right. Absolutely. The last verse I, I guess I'll share here is the one, and there was a couple more, but I know we're running out of time here. The um, Back in 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking. He's like, I'm afraid verse uh, chapter 11, verse three, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds would be led astray from the simplicity Hmm. and purity of devotion to Christ. Simplicity. What was the deception in the garden? Eat from the tree, know what's right and wrong. There was another tree in the garden, which had no restrictions, the tree of life. Jesus, you can eat from that tree every day you want. And now you're in Christ, you're in the tree, Christ is in us. And so the whole deception into thinking I've messed up, now I need to try to sure things up with God by trying to do right again and, and start avoiding the wrong. That's eating from that tree that God said, don't eat from. And if you do, you'll die. That's you'll die so you, good. You know, spiritually in the sense of, because you're going back to the law, now you're falling back under the law, like Paul would say, you foolish Galatians. This is by yeah, the Spirit. You're not going to get it by the law. And I love the, you bringing that uh, together because ever since that first deception where the enemy said, hey, you eat from that, you'll know good from evil. But you see, we already, God already is the good. He was the one who defines good and evil. 
And now the temptation is for us to figure out not just what evil is, but what is good. And we are all trying to figure out what's good. That's the question we always get. What do I need to do, basically, to be good, to do good, to do right? Tell me. That's the question we always get. Mm. And that's part of the lie. It's not our job to figure out what's good and what's evil. Our job as a believer is to rest in his goodness and his life. He has made you holy. He's made you righteous. And yes, the Bible is full of things that are, this is good and this is evil. Absolutely. And there's tons of Proverbs that say, hey, you do this, this is going to, you know, this is going to go well for you. So there's things in life, there's principles in life, of course, that uh, make sense, don't make sense. And the Bible's full of that. And that's awesome. What we want to uh, really encourage you is that, This Christian walk is not one for you to determine good and evil. The Christian walk is for you to rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and realize he's made you good. You can trust your new heart. Uh, He's made you an overcomer and victorious in Jesus Christ. And as you start to unpack this idea of your new identity, of what God has done in you and what he desires to do through you. It's going back to the verses in Galatians when he, when Paul is describing the fruit of the Spirit and this love and joy and peace and, um, and patience uh, and kindness and self-control, all that stuff. A lot of us want to take that apart and say, all right, let's get some three steps to more joy, four steps to to have better self-control. No, this is a fruit, and the fruit comes as we just rest in Christ and allow him to produce that fruit. We're just bearers of the fruit. We're not producers of the fruit. We just bear it as we just trust Christ, and that's the Christian life. Kyle, what final words do you have for us? Man, this all just sounds like easy, light burdens. Mm. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, come to me, all who are weary. What were they weary from? Because they were still living under the law. Jesus said, come, I want to give you rest. The rest from all that. Let him do his life in us, through us, and for us. And then we get the payoff as you get your phrase that it came to me. It's like we then we, we, we get the payoff of the fruit of the spirit and others see it and they enjoy it. But we're getting to have, see what God's doing in us and really experiencing, like you were saying, the overcoming, the, the conqueror life, the overcoming life. Not because my circumstances fix out, but now I'm having a peace that passes all understanding. I've experienced we, we're experience, we get to experience that peace of God. And we just realize everything's okay. God's sovereign and he loves me. He loves us. I have every, we, we have everything we need for life and God. You're completing Christ and you like no. Mm. I love delight. that. Mm. And when we have, and you know what? We will mess it up. We're going to mess up. We're going to have times when we just lose our patience, lose our cool. We have some, maybe some anxious thoughts, worrisome thoughts, some fear comes in. And that's just part of the human experience. 
God says, I'm with you and I love you. And what when we go down the wrong path, believe that wrong thought, that lie, the Lord's not condemning us. The Lord's saying, I love you. That's not you. That's not who you are. Come back. Let's uh, together uh, explore what's happened. And now just rest, rest with me, rest in me and realize how loved you are. And that's what we want to leave you with today. I want you uh, to um, think through these ideas. Ask the Lord to show you how you can just express his light and love by resting in him. And that's when you're no longer just talking about it. That's when you'll be walking it. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.